quite realize how strange it would be <laughs> speaking to you in an empty church building. Uh, but today we are um, continuing our series, our uh, pattern series, and we're still in the module of materialism. And in this passage, Jesus is frustrated. Time and again, he's trying to show the disciples that, they, that he will and can work through them if only they would step out with faith and trust him. And we see this again and again in the Gospels, that Jesus is desperate to work through his people if only they'll step out. We see it when they lower the nets one more time and get a huge abundance of fish, or when they um, manage to feed 5,000 people when they finally share what they've got. Jesus is saying, I will work through you. Even mountains will move, he says, if you just have the smallest bit of faith and step out and let me use you. A theme is emerging this morning, I think, from the testimonies and our worship and what Kath has been sharing, that our worship is powerful. God loves it when we worship him and he uses our worship in every sort of way to usher in the kingdom of God and to see mountains move. Now, we've started here this morning because today we're thinking about the climate emergency, and that is a pretty big mountain ahead of us with very little time to move it. So Owen spent a lot of time unpacking the situation that we're in, but let me get, give you a feel for the time scale. So a few years ago, scientists calculated that to keep within safer limits of climate change, to keep within 1.5 degrees Celsius of warming, we need to reduce our emissions, all of the carbon dioxide and everything else, by 45% by 2030. Now, that's a lot of numbers, but this decade, we need to almost half our emissions. So to help you picture this, here is some slides. So this first one is our emissions climbing up and up each year, up to now. And then on our next slide, we have the trajectory we need to keep within safe limits of warming. Now, if you're not a fan of graphs, I know they're not for everyone, here's a picture of the Mulvins. Now, we are quickly discovering they are fairly steep. I've had to distort this picture and make the Mulvins even steeper to fit on the graph. But this is the situation that we are now in. We need a whole transformation of society. Between now and 2030, we need to see the way that we travel and eat and consume, where our electricity comes from, how we heat our homes, all of it beginning to be transformed this decade. And last week, there was a big new report from the UN that pulled together all the commitments from world leaders about what their plans are going forward to see how close we are to that orange line of rapidly dropping emissions. And what they found out was that we weren't on track for a 45% drop in emissions this decade. We weren't actually even on track for a 10% drop in emissions. But the new commitments made by leaders last year would reduce our emissions by 1%, less than 1% by 2030. They would barely scrape the surface. Now, these are all numbers and graphs and percentages, and I know that's not everyone's thing, but these numbers mean 
really big consequences. What it could mean if we don't change direction and get on track to that orange line is hundreds of millions more people struggling to just get water or more hurricanes like the ones that hit Honduras and wiped out a whole year's harvest. As the people of God, the people who worship a God of justice, I think we should be outraged. As leaders all around the world keep dragging their feet, these huge levels of suffering become more and more likely. We shouldn't be able to sit comfortably with this. The Christian activist and author Shane Claiborne once said, we live in a world that has become way too adjusted to injustice. A world that has become way too comfortable to inequity between rich and poor. A world that has become way too accustomed to violence. We need some wholly maladjusted people in the world. In the face of this huge and urgent mountain of the climate emergency, I believe God is calling us as the church to be a holy, maladjusted people. Those who stand up and stand alongside our global neighbors who are already facing the brunt of this crisis. People who are outraged by injustice, but also are people who are filled with courage and with hope because we know the God for whom everything is possible. We know the God who says he will work through us to move even the greatest of mountains if we just have the smallest bit of faith that he can use us. Now, at the end of last year in December, we saw God move mountains in our work at Tear Fund in an amazing way. We'd been campaigning for a while about the literal billions of pounds um, our government supports fossil fuel projects overseas with, making the climate crisis work worse, and we were, um, we were campaigning for them to stop investing in those projects. And loads of campaigners and organizations have been pushing for this. People have been contacting their MPs and doing all sorts of different things. And we thought we were on the cusp of winning this campaign. We thought we might see a big announcement and we were getting all excited. But as the, the idea and the policies reached um, number 10, the whole idea just stalled. It didn't seem to go anywhere. And we talked with each other thinking, what are we going to do? We've tried all we know how to try. Maybe we'll just have to start again next year. So what we did was we went to people and said, we just need to really pray now. I messaged the thousand or so people who pray with us about the climate crisis each week. And I said, let's pray that this just gets unstuck and gets moving again. A week or so later, we heard that the conversation was up and running again, people were talking about it, um, but we didn't know which way it was going to go. So we updated everyone and we kept praying. Then within three weeks, the most amazing thing happened. The Prime Minister announced in public that the UK would stop supporting fossil fuels overseas and would be the first major economy to make that commitment. It was such an answer to prayer. For three years, we were campaigning, signing petitions, loads of organizations were working hard. And then at that final hurdle, we saw God at work moving mountains. 
The disciples in today's reading might not be the best examples of people who were moving mountains, but in the Old Testament, we meet Esther and Mordecai, two people who had faith that mountains really could move and who had the courage to step out and play their part. Mordecai, Esther's adoptive father and cousin, all a bit weird, is of a plot um, from one of the king's advisors to wipe out all of God's people. And rightly, he's shocked by this, and he's outraged. He tears his clothes, puts on sackcloth and ashes, and cries out about the injustice. And then he rushes to Esther, who's now one of the king's wives, and asks her to go to the king and ask him to stop the plan from happening. And Esther's response to Mordecai is remarkable. In chapter 4, verse 16, she says, Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. She saw how she could make a difference in her context and had the courage to play her part, even though she knew it would mean breaking the law and could risk her life. But she knew that actually averting this crisis, this threat to God's people, wouldn't be possible unless it was what God was at work doing. And so she says to Mordecai, let's first fast and pray. Gather the people together. Let's do this. And once our eyes are fixed on God, I will then go and ask the king to act. She begins in fasting and prayer. And then with hope and courage that God is at work, she goes and steps forward to play her part. Now Mordecai challenged Esther and Esther challenged the king. But but what both of them did was influence the spheres God had put them in. The people that were in reach um, to them already. We are called to be a holy, maladjusted people. People who are outraged by injustice like Mordecai and have the courage to act like Esther because we know God is at work and can move mountains when we step out in faith. On Monday, when I was trying to write this talk, I felt pretty overwhelmed by that UN report um, and was crying out to God thinking, can we even fix this? I don't know what I'm going to say on Sunday. And as I was praying, my phone pinged. And randomly, it was an email from my local counsellor from when we lived in Kingston um, in southwest London. And it reminded me of um, the most boring date night Caitlin and I have ever had. Um, So for some context, I'd been emailing my MP and then my local councillor about climate change. And I was asking them to put some electric car charging points in the borough because all the housing is terraced housing and flats. There's nowhere to have your own garage or anything like that. And so when people are buying a new car, they need to know there are charging points ready for them to use. So I was emailing them about that. And our councillor was really positive about this. She managed to get it onto the agenda for the next uh, environment meeting at the council. And she asked both of us to go along as local residents. And so we did. The two of us set out for the evening together with no idea quite how long this evening was about to become. It's no exaggeration to say that 
two hours later, we had learned loads about the intricacies of bus stop placement or how to design a cycle lane. I can even remember some of the procurement questions around uh, town center bin collections, some of the cost benefit analysis they did about different providers. Uh, but when it got to 10 p.m. and we still hadn't reached charging points, we decided to bail. I was really hungry. We thought this was going to be about an hour meeting and we'd go for dinner afterwards. Um, we were both pretty tired. Um, it was a long, <laughs> a long day. That was three years ago. Um, and I tell you this story because my phone pinged when I was despairing. And my counselor, the one that had invited us to the meeting, emailed to say, ever since our first conversation about this, she'd been advocating for electric car charging points. And she'd finally got some funding to install some lamppost charging points in our area. So people without driveways or garages would be able to use electric cars in the future. She wanted to let me know that she'd put my old street top of the list because she knew we were keen to respond to climate change. Now, I know three years is a long time, but I was so encouraged. Just as I was asking, can we even do anything about this? God reminded me that if we step out in just the spheres that God has already put us in, he can use us to start shifting stuff. It's also a really good reminder to pray for our local counselors and people who work in these kind of spaces, who regularly sit through those long meetings to try and improve our communities. If you work for the council, then thank you for what you do. God invites us would and wants to use us to be part of what he is doing in this world. And just like with Esther, he can use us in the spaces he's already placed us in. So what context has God put you in where you might be able to play your part to move these huge mountains? Perhaps it's asking your employer whether they've thought about how they are going to reduce their emissions or where their money is invested and if there's a way of shifting that away from fossil fuels. Or maybe it's going to your school when we're finally back in the classroom and saying, how can we learn more about climate change? And what are we going to do as a school to respond to this problem? Or, I'm going to throw it out there, maybe it's talking to Rich and the team about how we as a community can learn to live sustainably together, to be a beacon of hope to the community and to find our voice together and, and help to shift change in our local area. And I know there's a, a whole bunch of you who are already doing this and talking with the team here about how we can do this together. So I'm excited to meet you and to get involved with what you're doing. Let's be a holy, maladjusted people. People who will not settle or sit comfortably when we see the scale of injustice. Let's be outraged like Mordecai when we see this, but be rooted in hope that God can work through our worship to move even the greatest of mountains. Whether it's in the way we live, in what we eat, or how we travel after the pandemic, or by using our voices in our workplaces and schools and communities and church, each of us can play a part. God longs to use us in his story of making all things new. Let's join in with him. Let's offer him our worship to see the kingdom come. 
Now, we're going to just finish this time with a short video, which comes from that research I mentioned to you when chatting with Kath, of young people saying we should be a people who are moved by faith. are moved by faith. We hear God's call to creation care and see a world that's been neglected, a world that's on fire. And if we, the church, don't care enough to put it out, who will? We are in a climate emergency. Extreme weather conditions are destroying people's livelihoods. Natural disasters are leaving many without a place to call home. And people's lives are being lost. Those who contributed to this problem the least are suffering the most. We don't just care because it may one day affect us, we care because it's already affecting thousands around the world. And soon, we will pass a point of no return. If we sit back and do nothing, many more lives will be lost. To do nothing is to turn our backs to our God-given duty. It is up to us as those who are called to love our neighbor to do just that. How can we claim to love God if we do not care about his creation? How can we claim to love others when we are burning down their house? We, the church, must love in action and not just word. We must hear the cries of a world in peril and use our platform to respond with the love of Jesus. A love that disrupts the status quo and inconveniences itself to bring restoration. This is our responsibility. This is our worship. Save our future, save our planet, save our